We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the Strong by Design podcast. Welcome back for another fabulous episode. I am your host today, Tanya Fines, and joining me, I have Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Hi. And uh, yeah, hi, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Tanya. It's really good to be with you. Now, are you, you're in New York, correct? My practice is based in New York, and I was in New York for about 20 years. I recently relocated to Florida, though, and um, I'm keeping my business operating in New York. I have therapists there that still work under my direction, but I found that everything I need to do, I can do from Florida. Oh, well, we're in Florida, too. So where, where in Florida are you? I'm actually in the Orlando area. Where are you? Okay, I'm in Tampa Bay. Oh, nice. So we're, 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 we're not that far from each other. <laughs> no, no, actually, that's good to know. It's great to get to know. I'm still kind of new here. So oh great my gosh. Yeah. yeah, well, if you're ever out this way, please reach out because um, it would be great to meet you in person since you're Thank like you. in state and like only about two hours away. That's that's fantastic. So um, like, interestingly enough, we both are on a platform called Guestio, which is a platform for speakers to, you know, sort of kind of promote themselves or have themselves listed. It's like a directory for podcasts and interviews and interviewees. So um, that's how I found you or how we've, we found you. And when I read your bio, I was like, I really have to have a conversation with this woman because the minute I saw nervous energy and anxiety, I'm like, that's me. <laughs> and, um, you know, you wrote this sadly, I don't have, we'll talk about it. I don't have the dust cover to show it, but we'll, we'll oh, put this. I don't. Okay, great. Cause I have mine. It's, it's like my working copy. So my dust cover is at my office, but yeah, your book, um, nervous energy. So we'll want to get into that. But what I want to start with, um, you have a really impressive bio, a uh, very impressive bio, Thank and you. you didn't just come out of university or college and go right into this. So I want to talk to, you know, what got you like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Dr. Chloe Carmichael and how did you get here? Yeah, that's it has definitely been a journey. So um, you're right, I didn't, you know, just come right out of university and do this. I also didn't go right into university. So I didn't, you know, finish undergrad until I was 29. Um, so I started off as a yoga teacher, which I still love yoga and it was wonderful. And I was teaching yoga individually in New York, individually to, you know, kind of high-strung neurotic New Yorkers, and I see that as a high-strung neurotic New Yorker myself, you know, um, with, with a lot of love, but there's a lot of nervous energy in New York, and it's, it's actually kind of part of the hustle and part of the drive. So I was working with these individual yoga students that would want me to design programs for them, you know, that might say help them to build strength or build resilience. And so we would be doing yoga poses around that, but also meditations that would reinforce what was happening with the poses. And I found that my students were really making great progress. And they naturally wanted to just, you know, go deeper and talk about the meditations and um, were almost asking me questions that I, I felt like I, 
I could I could say something, but I, I, I knew I didn't really understand truly on a deep level, you know, some of the questions. And that's actually what prompted me to go to school and get my PhD in clinical psychology. Up until that point, you know, the reason I think I just hadn't had a real drive to finish college is because I didn't think I needed it really to do what I wanted to do. But then um, when I discovered, in fact, that I, I had a deep love for psychology and wanted to get a PhD in clinical psychology, then, thankfully, Columbia University decided to give me a space. And you know, from there, I then went on to get the PhD at Long Island University after completing undergraduate. And after that, I was, you know, just continuing to work with high-functioning people um, while I was earning my licensing hours as much as I could. I also worked with lower-functioning people, too, which was also very um, informative and illuminating for me. Uh, some of the, you know, greatest people, uh, most, you know, really fun people. Um, but I, I just, I continued to have this affinity. Um, and really enjoyed that work, you know, with, with the driven type A nervous energy types. So then when I opened my private practice, I honestly didn't even know if I was going to be able to stay in business myself. It's not an easy thing to do to open up a private practice as a therapist in New York. I mean, my rent was like several thousand dollars a month just for one little room. I didn't know if I could afford to stay in business. However, um, this this approach I was bringing of a really goal oriented um, you know structure based approach that was specifically for people that were willing and able to stay accountable and do the work it really caught on and to my great surprise and delight I was soon overbooked to the point where I had to start hiring other therapists and um, then I was able to join entrepreneurs organization when I started pulling in over a million in revenue. I started getting calls from TV. I started appearing, you know, on VH1 and Inside Edition, and um, it was all exciting. But at the same time, I wanted to be able to just really reach and share with people on a on a very personal level, and that's you know why it was finally occurred to me uh, and was suggested to me that I should write a book, which is Nervous Energy: Harness the Power of Your Anxiety, because I was noticing that. Um, while people were coming to me for help with anxiety, they also were a little attached to it. They had this sense that maybe part of their secret sauce of success was this little extra edge, and they didn't want to lose it, but they wanted to make sure that they managed it, and that's what oh, the book is about. So sorry to interrupt, but I'm just so glad that you said yeah. that because for years, like I'm a very um, there, I was rereading some parts that I highlighted in your book, and at the very beginning, it was you're talking about uh, a client and how. Um, she was, she herself proclaimed like a little OCD, but she kind of liked it. It was kind of like a, like a, you know, and I was like, I identify with that because it's that little OCD that sort of kind of can make us feel like we're on top of things. We're very diligent. We're very focused. We get stuff done. We're able to like, you know, because we're OCD, we can multitask better than anybody. Right. But then you go on to talk about how, you know, like there, there's this board, there's this line where that can become debilitating. Like we get that analysis by paralysis where you think too much. So, I mean, when I read the title of your book, I was like, everything else I was reading stopped 
because I was like, I have got to, I have got to learn how to, because your book is not just a book. It's also like a working, like it's a workbook. There's tools. And, and I love to that right at the beginning, very upfront, you say, this is meant for you to take, find out, like use, try the techniques, keep what works and disregard the rest. You're not trying to sell the whole thing is you have to do all of these for it to work. You're very transparent in here's the tools that I've discovered or found. Here's some things that I've worked with myself. Some of these might work for you and some of them won't. It's up to you to. So I love that. It's like this working resource. And um, I was so drawn to, okay, I can be OCD. I am OCD. I've got very high anxiety. At times it's much higher than other times. And at times I love it. I need it. I thrive in that very highly anxious strat like that, that environment is where I thrive. And actually it's a lot, it's where I'm a writer. Some of my best creative work comes out of that environment. But then there's this other point or these other areas of life where it completely, it's like almost debilitating. So when you say this nervous energy, this anxiety and work it to actually help, like to keep it as that thing, that's sort of like a tool, a skill to help you, you know, moving forward and self-promotion and just, you know, doing better accomplishment and success. I'm like, I need this. (laughs) And I think a lot of people can connect with that. It's like, because once you start. Not that not that single people that have their you know life together don't have it, but once you start incorporating spouses and children and jobs and houses and mortgages and responsibilities, if you're already a little OCD and anxious, that just kind of it's this building thing. So how do we take like I just yeah ugh, I love it all. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, and I I hear what you're saying as well. You know, just about the fact that it's something that high functioning people do is they they keep on taking on more right because we we like a challenge we can get bored or we have what psychologists sometimes call a high need for achievement we we have a drive of of accomplishment and we enjoy that so then almost by definition we are going to be you know just taking on more and so what used to work say in college of you know maybe just double checking all your answers or whatever um when you had the bandwidth to do that that's fine but when you're partner at a law firm and you're managing six cases you know that old strategy may not necessarily work um another thing that i thought was interesting is that um, a lot of people, I think, who have this nervous energy, maybe they do really well in high school and college because their executive lobe, I think the reason, is not fully formed yet. And so they might, you know, just have, um, you know, maybe really, really harsh self-talk or something that they almost need because the executive lobe is the part that thinks ahead and strategizes and things. And so they almost need that iron fist of saying, your life's not going to go anywhere if you don't write this essay. And like on a certain level, that might be true in, you know, high school. And so they, they have to, you know, use that level of focus. But then once their executive lobe fully forms and they actually have a little bit more, you know, control over their focus, but they're still using those old tools, um, that's when they start to develop a mismatch. And that's when some of the tools in my book can be helpful for them. Our team would like to thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. And if you're enjoying today's show, please share this episode with at least one friend or family member who will benefit from this message. And please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com 
That's strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. When you're talking about that response, like all I could, I could my, my whole head flash to like pictures of like military. And I could see how that, like, you know, that is something that a very specific personality, uh, personalities are drawn to that because that is what gets them going. Like they, they, they respond to that very harsh drill sergeant thing and it works for them. Um, but then you take that kind of mentality or mindset into, um, a, ho- a more softer home environment it might, it might not work as well. So, um, there's a lot, I mean, there's, it's, it's like, there's several like rabbit holes we could go down here with this as far as like nervous energy, anxiety, OCD, achievement, success, how you respond, what works, and then all of the different elements and how life is, cause life isn't set up on a linear scale. Life is so dynamic. It's all over the place. And we have highs and we have lows and we have celebrations and victories and we have, we have losses and stuff. And, if you're someone that innately kind of has that ang- that nervous energy, there has to, I, I keep thinking it's not, we you're not born with it for it to sabotage you. But I think sometimes we can maybe like when, when we leave college or when we leave a certain job and now we're in a different element or area of our life, we're a little older, we've got more life experience, we're a little more mature. The nervous energy, yeah, it doesn't, how we worked with it before isn't the same. It doesn't work. It's kind of like diets. Like the diet we, the diet I had in my twenties would absolutely kill me now. Like I can't get away with that stuff. And the same thing with how I operate and function in my job and my day. Um, I still have that nervous energy. I still can be a little OCD, but I can't manage it and navigate my day the way I did in my twenties and thirties with it. It changes. Um, but you, you said something and it, I, writing down notes as you're talking, you said something about nervous energy and it made me, I just wrote down this, like a question, nervous energy and socialization. Because I know, um, like for myself at work, I think I probably give off that, uh, like I'm very active and busy and like, yeah, you know, like, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. I love it. You know, I thrive in that. Mm -hmm. There's lots to do and there's short deadlines. Okay. And then yet, when I, when I remove myself from the work environment and I'm in a more social setting, I love people. I love being around people. I love meeting people. I like hearing people's stories. It's almost a moment or a time for me to decompress a little. I get to kind of breathe and pause in my life, but sometimes that comes off as I'm antisocial. And then people that know me in both work and social are like, you're so, like, you're so different. Like at work, you kind of go, go, go. And you're very, colorful and you're blah and all this. And then I, we take you out of that and you're so quiet. You know, what's your, what do you have to say about that? Well, I think that it's, it's, you know, first of all, it's, it's normal, right? That we would have different areas of life, you know, where, where we would have different sides of ourselves that, that come out. And, you know, it's interesting as well, what you were saying, even just in terms of, of, of socializing, right? A lot of people who are very driven at work, um, they almost need some of the, they, I've seen people use the techniques in my book to help them shift out of that work mindset and into their social mindset. So for example, there's a technique in the book called the mental shortlist, where when you're, when you're tenacious, wonderful, high-functioning mind ha- is stuck on something, like a dog with a bone, right, which can be a gift that your mind can stay on something so tenaciously until 
your mind is stuck on that thing and, and it's not the right time. So suppose that, you know, you were, um, you know, stuck on a, a work project in your mind, but, you know, you were at the dinner table and it's time to, you know, pivot. So in those types of situations, um, something like the mental shortlist technique can be helpful where you create a list in advance of five things that you're going to think about instead of, you know, whatever your mind is kind of auto tracking onto. So some people, you know, will then make a list of, you know, five things of topics with their family members that they want to make sure that they follow up on. Like, you know, how, how, how was that little tiff with the softball coach coming junior, you know, and, you know, asking, you know, your spouse, like, how did you sleep last night? You know, those kinds of things. And so when they give their brain a specific thing of five things that they want to be thinking about instead, um, it can help them to make that switch. But I know that's not exactly what you were asking, though, Tanya. I mean, like you were just saying, I think, like, is it normal that somebody could be really tenacious and um, kind of aggressive in their work life, but be a little bit more passive and gentle in their social life? And I would say, of course, absolutely, because high functioning people tend to be very goal oriented. And so maybe those types of behaviors produce rewards for you at work. But you've learned that they don't really produce rewards for you in your social relationships right. <laughs> and your social relationships. You're just you're just seeking to be with people. Um, and so I actually think it's great that you have that diversity in your skill set that that you have more than one note. You know, I mean, for example, if you think about an NFL football player, they're quite different at home than they are on the field, of course. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, I that, great. Um I, yeah, that feels good to hear that because I, I, for me, it's kind of like, it's sort of like, uh, I, I, I sometimes get really irritated with the whole balance. Like, what is balance? Like, balance doesn't, to me, doesn't look like this. Balance is kind of, I think, this thing we sort of, we work within a, a realm of balance because life is life. One day it can feel like things are, you know, things happen that you didn't expect. So it, it would look like this. But then I think if we're kind of managing, and that for me, that's sort of a, a management way. I can't be a hundred, you know, 150. 24-7. Even I recognize that my brain needs to shut down and I just need to be able to sit back and breathe, you know, and that sort of, it's almost well, like... Also, um, high-functioning yeah. people, they have a high level of conscientiousness. They, they take a high level of ownership in what they do. And because they're, they're good at what they do and, and they bring their A-game, they tend to have a job that you know, touches them on a personal level, right? And that doesn't mean that they always do, you know, they, they might have a job, you know, um, maybe they're um, a, a cashier at a, at a grocery store, but even in that job, you know, they're, they're usually bringing in some kind of a personal level to that job. And, and so I think that's why the work-life balance can become almost a myth for people, right? So for me, for example, right? Dr. Chloe, psychologist, writing books about, you know, fulfillment and goal attainment and stress relief. Well, how could that really be separate from my personal interests, right? And I would say probably a similar situation with what you're doing or, you know, even if it's like a, a, a trial lawyer, when you get excited and you live and breathe what you do, um, it's it's almost a false distinction, I think, between your personal life and your professional life, which is why in some of the techniques in my book, 
are designed to help people erect some boundaries when they recognize that they need to so that we can start to structure ourselves. I think of the tools in the book as almost a little bit like an owner's manual for your mind. Um, because one of the things I, you know, high functioning people, they can be so self-critical because it's actually, it's, it's a gift to be able to be the first one to look in the mirror and, you know, spot issues because they have a desire for improvement and that's a great thing, but it can go haywire if they don't, you know, just learn when and how to give it a rest and how to find that sweet spot. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. To help our show reach more listeners just like you, please let us know how we've changed your life by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. That's strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. I want to talk more about the book and dive into it. Um, there's, I wrote down here um, a quote, something that you've written in here, and how how the book's described is, it's a roadmap for high achievers to harness restlessness, roadblocks, and distractions into a productive drive towards personal and professional fulfillment. And I love that because everything that we're talking about is that, you know, if you're very driven, if you're high functioning, if you're a little, you got, you know, you're just kind of like on hyperspeed because you thrive and you, that's kind of your thrive drive. Um, there, there are moments, I think, for all any of us that, that exist sort of in that realm, there definitely comes moments where it's like, whoa, I just, I, I kind of feel like I don't have the control. I kind of feel like I'm like, what's happening? Like, you know, we, we kind of get completely stalled. So I want you to talk about that, but I want to make sure we, because we've said it a few times already, but for the listeners that haven't yet read the book and everybody, you've got to read this book. If you're a living, breathing human being, you need to read this book. It's really, really good. <laughs> um, actually, it's excellent. But before we like get into the meat and potatoes of the book, describe or define first or tell us what is when you say a high functioning individual, because I can I can sort of hear people listening thinking, is she talking is high functioning ADD is high functioning OC like what clarify for us high functioning and how that kind of the relationship or differences between high functioning and what is often diagnosed as ADD. Sure. So <laughs> by high functioning, I would just say probably more people out there are high functioning than they even realize. And you don't even have to have a diagnosis. It's not necessarily like, oh, you're a high functioning, you know, um, ADHD person. Um, you, you could be, you could be somebody with ADHD who's also very high functioning, or you could be somebody that doesn't have any kind of a, you know, diagnosis at all. Many of the clients in my office don't have any diagnosis. They're just coming to me because, you know, they're, they're a high functioning person. And what is that? In psychology terms, a high functioning person is really somebody who is able to meet the basics of, you know, being responsible for say, you know, food, clothing, shelter, they can set an alarm clock and get somewhere on time. They can organize their life on a, on a certain basic level. They have at least a couple of decent relationships with other people. They're not, you know, constantly in and out of, you know, inpatient psychiatric hospitalizations. They're not at risk of harm to self or others. You know, they're, they're just living what many people would think of as a normal life. 
and then maybe they're going a little bit beyond that, right? So then, you know, maybe they also like to read self-improvement books or, you know, maybe they also volunteer or they're active in their church or whatever. Um, if, if you're doing all of those things or, you know, just things along those lines, even like, you know, you're having dinner parties or, you know, if you're a parent, you know, you're monitoring your kid's screen time or, you know, you're, you're going that little extra step beyond just in general in life. In psychology, that's when we start to look at you as a high-functioning person. And a lot of high-functioning people don't realize that they're high-functioning because they just get together with their friends for Sunday brunch and they think everybody's like them and they yes. don't realize that not everybody is. Yeah, right. So then how, here's a question as a parent, my kids are grown and um, I definitely have like, definitely one that's seriously high-functioning. Definitely. In a, in a good way, like doing lots, doing lots, accomplishing lots. I mean, they're all doing lots and accomplishing lots, but for parents of younger children, because children are, you know, children are busy. They're busy. They're into their brains are new and everything's new. Everything's a new sight, sound, smell and experience. So we kind of expect them to be like completely full steam ahead because everything is so new and they're going to try everything. And we want them. I mean, as parents, you want your kids to try things because that's how they figure out what they like, who they are, and it helps them to learn and set boundaries with things. So, but if you're a parent and you recognize yourself that you're high functioning and maybe you do have some anxiety that you have, that you work through, how can we recognize this in our children um, how can we recognize this in our children without this fear of like, oh my gosh, I've got this high functioning child or I've got this, this child with anxiety. Like how do we recognize it? How can we recognize it? And what can we do? Because I think at a young age, if children, like if children learn that, Hey, you know, you can do all of these things and not everybody's like you. So sometimes you might find that you, when you're around your friends, they get really tired because they can't keep up or, you know, all of these things and like, and maybe helping them to calm down in the evening when they want just one more story or just one more painting, you know, and ways to work with our kids so that they growing up, learn how to manage and navigate that for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, so the good news is, is that one of the markers of a high functioning person is actually, you know, an, an interest in healthy relationships, right? So, you know, the children might, in many cases, just benefit from just like you did, you know, Tanya, just explaining it to them of just saying, you know, honey, you're somebody that has a lot of drive and energy. And, you know, you, the wheels in your head move really fast, you know, and not everybody's like that. And that's okay. They're great, too. Which, you know, again, by the way, like I mentioned in my training, I worked with, you know, cognitively disabled adults who would certainly, you know, they, they couldn't manage their own lives, but they were absolutely wonderful people. In many cases, frankly, better people probably than, you know, some high functioning people. So I just want to make it clear this is no, you know, value judgment on a person at all. So I, I think that's a really important, you know, point to make, you know, you might even, you know, take your child to volunteer, you know, with to help people who are disabled, you know, and, and just, you know, get them acquainted with the fact that people do come in all shapes and sizes, right? But I think you bring up an important point as well which is learning how to slow ourselves down, learning how to calm ourselves down. And that's something a lot of adults need help with, but I think, you know, starting young is, is really wonderful. Um, there are actually some techniques in the book specifically about that, specifically, you know, just 
kind of borrowing back from my yoga days a little bit, I go into some breathing and some meditation techniques that are specifically intended, you know, to slow yourself down and to slow your brain down. I think for a lot of high functioning people, even just learning that that there's a value to that um, can be important because otherwise life can just teach us, well, you know, the more you do, the more you're on, the more you achieve, the better it goes, right? As opposed to also learning that in fact there's such a thing as burnout, um, you know, there's such a thing as the value of recharging and of reflecting. Another one of the techniques in the book is called the to-do list with emotions because sometimes high-functioning people, we can get so busy that it's almost like we're a hamster on a wheel just clicking through our to-do list and all of a sudden it feels a little bit empty, right? Or we suddenly find ourselves procrastinating because we're just not feeling connected and fulfilled by all this, you know, just constant doing. And the to-do list with emotions guides people to reconnect with the emotions and the reasons around why they're doing what they're doing. Because high-functioning people, one of our skills is that we can put our emotions aside and soldier through and power through and do what needs to be done, which is a skill that, in fact, some people need to learn. But in, unfortunately, we can almost get too good at that skill to the point where we lose the value and we can almost think that emotions are indulgent. And they're actually not. They're, they're, um, they're the spice of life. You know, they're the salt of life. They're the sugar of life. And they're also one of the motivators in life and one of the connectors in life. So um, the, the book looks a lot at productivity, but it also looks a lot at fulfillment. Yeah, it, it really does. Like you, you do this brilliantly in this book because, again, like just the fact that it is a working tool, and as I read through it, and I kind of jumped around because I only I only got this a couple of days ago, so I've jumped around a bits and pieces to um, get ready for the podcast. But uh, the more I jump in, and you know, taking like looking up things that I'm like, I want to read this. This is speaking to me. How well you talk about it in that terms of like this isn't like something I need to. I don't really need to label myself. This isn't a bad thing. This isn't a good thing. This is just a thing. And here's how I can work with this thing. And here's some, you know, these tools and techniques that based on whatever works for me, keep using it. Or given the environment, a certain technique might work better in a given environment or a situation that I find myself in. So when we get to the, like, so the book, this, you know, it's a, a roadmap for high achievers to harness restlessness, roadblocks and distractions into a productive drive towards personal and professional fulfillment. So, I mean, that... I don't know how you came up with that sentence because it really, that sentence completely, that's the book. That is the book in one sentence. And I think it's applicable to anybody um, because the tools are just so good and so user-friendly. It's kind of like when I when uh, we're talking about workouts, well, here's an at-home workout. You can do it right at home. It's really simple. Your book is like that. It's like an at-home workout that you can use. So um, what are, like, let's touch on, can we, you outline nine tools. Um, so can we touch on a couple of those that um, just like a couple key, I mean, they're all excellent, but we don't, you know, people need to just get the book, read about the tools, start using the tools. But can you pick like three and touch on three of the tools in the book um, and tell us about them and how we can, you know, how we can even start implementing some of these things today? Sure. Well, Tanya, I would love to. I really would. And, and I really appreciate the things that you said about the book as well. I hope you'll leave me a review on Amazon because yes, I need I all the help I can get in those algorithms. Yes. And, you know, if people do get the book and they do that as well, if, if they get the book and they leave me a review on Amazon, 
I, I want them to, you know, contact me through nervousenergybook.com and share with me a screenshot of their review. And I will, you know, be glad to give them a free month of access uh, to my Insiders Club where they can get, you know, more tools. And, you know, one, one of the best tools that they can get for free right now without even having to buy the book is if they do go to nervousenergybook.com, they can, you know, get a, a video of me going through one of the techniques in the book as well. Um, I wish I, I wish I could, and I'd love to come back another time and, you know, go through sure. more of the techniques with you. And I, I really appreciate um, all of your kind words, Tanya. And I'm so glad to know that the message resonated with you. And I do hope people will check it out on nervousenergybook.com because I love to connect with people. Well, we're going to leave a link here. So that's um, so this is Dr. Chloe Carmichael. The site is nervousenergybook.com. Please go check it out. It is absolutely hands down, probably one of the best, I'll call it self-help, self-guidance tools that I've read in a very long time. Um, whether you are high functioning or maybe you just don't know, these are very easy things that you can start doing and implementing just to help navigate and work through your day in those those moments and, and things like that to give you know to not sabotage yourself and come up with you know end up in that analysis paralysis so um nervousenergybook.com please check it out you can also find it the, the book nervous energy on amazon where else can we find you dr chloe yeah so i'm on you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere the books are sold. Also, the book is not only available in Kindle and hardcover, but I was very insistent that it had to be an audible books as well, because especially with new behaviors, people benefit with what psychologists call modeling, which is where you get to see or hear someone talking or doing. Um, so many clients just enjoy almost like I'm kind of yammering and whispering in their ear. And it's just that nice power of suggestion that just talks to them throughout the day. Um, I'm also all over YouTube, Instagram, everywhere. I love, truly love to connect with people. Um, so if anybody does want to just connect with me on social media, um, I'd love to, I'd love that. And um, thanks again for having me here. I, I hope to connect with people and happy to come and share more anytime. I would love to have you back. Thank you again for joining me. And thank you listeners for listening. Um, please uh, give us a five-star rating and a review and check out the link um, below in the uh, show description so you can find Dr. Chloe and so you can get her book. We are going to have her back. I'm coach Tanya Fines. Um, with you today. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait to uh, come back and uh, have another guest on the show and talk with you all again. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody take care, be well, and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. 